0: Welcome to My Teacher Friends Podcast. My name is John Peschel, and as I enter my 21st year of teaching, I wanted to create a podcast to share stories, teaching tips, and inspiration. Each week, I'll be joined by one of my smart, talented, passionate teacher friends for a conversation about all things education. Join us, because there's no job as challenging or as rewarding as being a teacher. Today, I am joined by my good friend, Mary. Um, Welcome. I'm glad that you're here. Thanks. Uh, Mary's current role is as an instructional coach in two elementary schools. So to get started, Mary, can you just tell us a little bit about you? Share about your educational history, where you went to school, and what other professional jobs that have led to where you are today as an instructional coach?
1: All right. Well, I would say I've had a varied and eclectic background. Right. Um, I grew up in a little small town in western Wisconsin, Viroqua, which now people have heard about. And it's a little artsy community, it's which totally
0: has that reputation. Though. Yeah,
1: and it was not that way at okay. all. I grew up when it was a farming community. It was wow. a rural community. It was a great childhood. We owned a shoe store. We, you know, worked at the shoe store. It was it was good. So I went from there, of course, wanting to get as far away from Little Broco as I could. Yeah. And I went to UW Oshkosh.
0: Okay. So how far away is that?
1: It was about three hours. Three so hours. it was That a, is a ways. It is. Yeah. It was about as far as I could go, you know, in a UW school. Right. So that was great. And I got my um, degree in special education. And at that time, it was a dual certification. So learning disabilities and I, the the... Labels and names have all changed, so sure. it was essentially kids with some cognitive disabilities, okay. um k twelve yeah. certification. Okay, so I finished that in four years. I was you know a mere twenty two year old and heading off to the big world of teaching, and I got was lucky enough to get a job um, kind of near where I grew up in Sparta, Wisconsin, okay. um at the high school, which was a new thing because I had student taught elementary. Wow. So element yeah, elementary. So you started
0: as a high school special education yes, teacher. Yes,
1: which was all new, but I wanted a job and this sounded good. And I learned so much. So much. I, I remember the students. I remember the school. I remember the great people that I worked with. It really was a fabulous start out of the gate. How um, long were you there? Uh, three years.
0: Three years. Okay. Um So those are really formative years oh, in yes. your career as a teacher. Absolutely. Right? So talk to me about some of the lessons that you learned in those first three oh, challenging years. My
1: goodness. You know, I think what I learned probably most of all is the the need to reach out to those people mm. around me, those teachers around me who I knew could offer some great Tips and inspiration and um there was another first year teacher who started at the same time and she and I developed like an instant friendship just because we were in the same you know we were brand new teachers and in this little small town so that was super helpful and my students taught me so much as they always do they always do
0: I hear that from more and more teachers about the first few years of teaching that connection between those that are Going through it with you, right? Yes. In the same boat as you, brand new, as well as those few marigolds, yes. those special teachers that really give you guidance. Oh,
1: absolutely. And and pulled, you know, pulled us in and, you know, went to social events together or told us about social events and, you know, just helped us feel like this is a group, this is a community. Which is what we all want, I think, right. is to be part of a community like that.
0: So, three years there. Three what was your there. next step?
1: So, my next step actually came about through an amazing summer program that I was involved in in lacrosse with kids um, who were socioeconomically disadvantaged around the lacrosse area. And we brought them in. It was, an, it was an, a, a tremendous program. With people that still to this day are some of the people who are my greatest mentors. Wow. And one of the couples that was there, um, they lived near Oconomowoc. And one of them taught at the high school. And he said, hey, there's a job opening. Why don't you come and apply? That would, Wouldn't that be great? Right. And I was like, I'm ready to get to it. A- bigger city, you know, ready to spread my wings a little bit. So I applied and got the job and that was high school special ed also, Okay. Um, which again, a fabulous experience. And from there, I just, I developed so many relationships and went then into um, working with the at-risk population. We had a school within a school at the high school and a very talented person who kind of ran that program. Who said, hey, I think we could do some work together. And at that time, grants were pretty forthcoming for education. Um, And we wrote a grant for this um, job training partnership program for kids who were really, like, really ready to drop out of school, like an inch away from dropping out. And um, I started, you know, we wrote the grant, got the grant, and I implemented it working with kids, like developing employability skills, but really, again, getting to know those people. So, so, oh my gosh, smart and just learned in different ways and wanted something different than a traditional high school. So then they'd work in the afternoons and I'd work with their employers and Um, Sounds extremely rewarding. Oh my gosh.
0: Like every day was that validation that what I'm doing is making a difference. Yes. Is that how you're feeling?
1: Yes. There was also lots of mistakes along Mm -hmm. the way that we all made. The students, myself, like we did a ton of growing and learning together. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a phenomenal experience. Just an incredible experience. So from there, um, I was working on a master's degree in school counseling okay. during that time. So I got that. And then there was this elementary counseling position that opened in Oconomowoc at, at two elementary schools. And I was like, oh, I, I think I might be ready to try that. So did that.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah. What a huge shift.
1: Yes. Yes, it was. But, you know, like all of those experiences, counseling is all part of all of those mm-hmm. things. Um, so, and also collaborating with other teachers. Right. That that was built into everything that I've done in all of my whole career. So, um, going to that counseling position was, it really was just like another great experience. Right. At these two smaller elementary schools in Oconomowoc, one okay. isn't even there anymore. Okay. So, um, great experience. How long did you do that? I j- just, two years, two and a half years, I think. Cause then I, by that time I was married and had a baby. Okay. And, um, went back to work a year after my son, or I, I went back for a year after my son was born. And then we decided we really wanted one of us to be home. So okay. that was me. And so. I took I started with a year's leave of absence, and then I quit altogether. And I was home for nine years.
0: Nine years, and okay. had another
1: baby in yeah. that time. But during that time, this is something you might not have okay. even known. I was a La League leader, so I worked with breastfeeding moms.
0: I didn't know this. Yeah.
1: So again, like the counseling skills, all those right. things. So I'd lead meetings, and then um, we had these phone. You know, like you had to be available for phone consultations like moms that call you know in the middle of the night screaming babies struggling with yes and i learned so much again just about listening and not trying to solve people's issues but really listening and hearing and helping them come up with what's going to work best for them and their family so again another fabulous experience
0: right
1: that you know was Kind of a cool thing to do.
0: Variety of jobs. We're not even caught yes. up to where you're at now, right. but I can see how there's an overlap in so many of the skills yes. in these vast career changes. Yes.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, from there, I de- we moved to um, some prairie. Okay. And um, decided I was ready to start, you know, kind of jump back in. Yeah. See if I, you know, could still do that. So I started substitute teaching. And then took a long term substitute job as a talented and gifted teacher okay. and then was hired to do that and I did that for a number of years and um which was again really interesting, so always you know I've always kind of thought like in my education, I've always kind of been with the kids who are sort of the outliers or the uh, the edges
0: sure, so when yeah. you talk
1: about like kind of that teaching to the edge or thinking about those kids. I've been at both of those edges, right. um, which is kind of, you know, it's given me a really great perspective.
0: Right. So now you're an instructional coach. Now I'm an instructional coach. Two elementary buildings. How yes. long have you been doing that?
1: This is my fourth year.
0: Fourth year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so thinking about that, what do you feel like is the best part of your job?
1: Oh boy, there's a lot of great parts. I, you know, The best part is I get to be in classrooms. I get to be in classrooms with kids and teachers and, you know, really trying some things and getting to work with kids every single day. And that's the beauty of what we do. Right. And with some incredible teachers, you know, in any of those collaborative situations, I learn so much from the teachers that I'm working with every single day.
0: Um. So, one more question, kind of okay. in this, learning a little bit more about you and your job. What would you say is something that you wish other people knew about your role as an instructional coach? Because I feel like, um, in in some schools and some districts, um, it's not the these positions aren't always really well defined, right? right? Mm-hmm. And the what people think is happening isn't always really what your job entails. And so can you just speak a little bit to that? Maybe some of those misconceptions that you've heard or just something that you feel like people don't realize is part of your job.
1: So I guess probably the thing that I, I think is the greatest misconception is that an instructional coach is going to come in and try to like fix something. Mm. And that is not it at all.
0: So you're not a fixer, Mary.
1: Not a fixer. <laughs> But not at all a fixer. It's about really listening to the teacher and, and the teacher really deciding, I really want to work on or I want to try something. Or I'm looking at my students and the data of my students. And I'm really thinking, how can we help them grow in this way to be better at, you know, literacy or math or whatever it is.
0: So it's really gr- grounded in students
1: it it is very grounded in students um there's in my recent work i'm working on an instructional coaching certificate okay and um in that recent work really it's all about student-centered coaching really looking at again at data at and I, i don't mean big data like standardized test data i mean like classroom data around reading around math around whatever it is and helping teachers decide what what do i really want to work on what's a goal i want for my students and then now how are we going to get there what are okay. we going to do what are we going to try and as a coach i kind of become that person that they can talk to that we can think about some different ideas that we can try some things together and now i can be in the room and say okay What are we noticing about how students reacted to this or what are we noticing about student engagement or that sort of thing? So it's more of like a collaborator in the classroom and then somebody to sit down and and really reflect on that. And a peer.
0: Yes. Like to make it really clear, like you are not evaluating. You are not not, at all. Yeah. That you are a peer coming in who just doesn't have a classroom. Correct. Who is helping out teachers in the classroom help students grow.
1: Absolutely. That's exactly it. And that's what I really want people to know. And it's not a, it's, it's really about what do you want to work on as a teacher um, to help your students get to be stronger.
0: Awesome. It sounds like a great fit. And even though you've had all these vast experiences, it sounds like it really is is in your wheelhouse of skills.
1: I I feel that way. Yeah. I, I hope that the teachers I work with yeah, feel that way.
0: I'm sure they do. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, it's time now for us to play a little game if you're up for it. Sure. Um, so as a kid, I always panicked at those third grade multiplication timed tests. Oh. They were the worst for me. I just, I never got comfortable... So we're going to flip it a little bit and I'm going to time you. You'll have 60 seconds to answer as many questions as you can. Okay. So they're short answer. You are welcome to elaborate and we can go a little bit slower or you can like fire them out at me as fast as you want. Okay. All right. I'm going to get my timer ready so that we are set and then we'll give it a shot. All right. I am ready. Here we go. Question number one. Favorite month of the school year. September. Favorite content area to coach into?
1: Uh, reading.
0: Favorite professional learning book?
1: Um, my, growth Mindset okay. for children. I think that's the name of it. I was trying to dig out the right <laughs> name.
0: Um, Favorite children's or young adult book?
1: Um, Mr. Tiger Goes Wild. is I'm one I love.
0: One. Um... First name of a student that has had a huge impact on you? Bob. First name of a colleague that has a po- has had a positive influence on you? Vic. Uh, school lunch. Sometimes, always, or never? Never. Teacher's lounge. Always, sometimes, or never? Sometimes. Going into school on the weekends. Always, sometimes, or never?
1: Um, more than sometimes, not always.
0: All right. That was our timer, but I have to say, I have one more question for you. Okay. So, favorite high school production one of your children was in?
1: Oh, my. Oh, that's so hard.
0: You have to pick. Um, I'm going to make you pick.
1: Legally Blonde.
0: All right, all right. So, something we <laughs> haven't talked about is that I was a forensics coach and drama director to your two children, and Absolutely. so I wanted to throw it a little and, fun.
1: And Mentor. Let me just say, and mentor to my children. Thank you so, for yes. Sure.
0: So I've known you for years in that capacity too. Yes. So I wanted to throw a little fun question there at the end. <laughs> um, so next is a time for us to talk a little bit about some teacher tips to share some strategies and ideas with other teachers who are listening. Things that have been successful for us in our classroom environments. So, what is a teaching tip? Something that has worked for you when working with students?
1: Um, one of probably one of the greatest um, professional development opportunities I was ever involved in was responsive classroom. And um, one of the pieces that has really stuck with me that I use still, even when I work now in classrooms with teachers is the idea of being really thoughtful about um, teaching routines and procedures. For example, um, Let's say it's transitioning from the desks to the rug. So we're going to talk about how that should look, how that should sound, what that should feel like. Then we're going to practice it. I might show that or I might have a student demonstrate that. Then we're going to all talk as a group, like what did we notice? Then I might have a small group practice that while the other group sitting at their desks again reflect, say, Let's watch. Let's see if they're going to do all these things. Oh, looks like they're doing that, you know, and be really thoughtful and, and positive about that experience. And then, okay, now let's all try it. Let's all try and do that, whatever it is. I, I use transition as one thing. But again, it kind of really modeling, showing, modeling, practicing, trying it out, and that whole while being really positive and coaching into what you really want. For students to do, how you really want that to be, and then telling them, "Here's why that's important." That's going to give us more time to learn whatever it is that we're going to learn next.
0: Yeah, you 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 mentioned going po- being positive. Yeah, absolutely. About that. Can you talk a little bit about what that means to you.
1: Um, so positive means we're going to notice, like I said, we're going to watch people do this. So I'm going to only focus on the good things that are happening. Ah. If somebody's not doing exactly, you know, if they're whispering or talking, I'm not gonna bring a lot of attention to that, but I'm gonna really say, wow, I'm really noticing that people are really remembering to use zero voice or be really quiet when they're making this transition. And really nine and a half times out of ten, that that is all you need to do. Right. And somebody who's who forgot or whatever it's going to change.
0: Yeah, I feel like bringing more positivity into the classroom yes. is such um, a wonderful thing as a teacher.
1: Yes, and
0: for the students, right? absolutely. We hear that there's a lot of research that talks about having four positive interactions to one corrective interaction, and some will even say that that's more of a five to one yeah. than a four to one. Yes, um, but I think there's something really. Special when a teacher can focus and acknowledge positive behavior. Now we're not talking about rewards here. We're no. not talking about oh no candy and prizes. We're talking about acknowledging when a student yes. is doing something great absolutely. in a really genuine, caring way. And I think about the transformation that that can have within the classroom.
1: Oh, absolutely, it does. And I I want to circle back to when you said genuine. That is key, too, because kids are so smart and they know when you're not being genuine with that. And I would even add to that specific, like a specific rather than just, oh, great job. Like, I noticed that you really worked hard to make it to the carpet without saying anything to your friend,
0: right. you
1: know, or, or make it to the carpet, you know, in a really positive way or or whatever it is that you're specific and it's really genuine. Yeah. And you do, it, it makes a difference.
0: And with that, I would really just challenge all teachers to spend a day where you're consciously sending out positivity all day yeah. and reflect on how you feel at the end. When I've had days where I've really gone in to say, today is the day that I am going to really send tons of encouragement and positive messages throughout the day, I know that I'm um, pretty exhausted at the end of the yes. day, but I feel so good too. Yes. Um, as a teacher, it's not fun to be constantly correcting no. and corrective, um, but it feels pretty great to know that you have touched kids positively more than once every kid in a day.
1: Absolutely. And the feedback that you get from the kids is all worth that. Because the smiles, the straightening up in their chair, the, you know, pulling back their shoulders because they're really proud.
0: Yes. So specific, genuine Gen- uh, positivity. Right. Um, and Absolutely. so that's, that's kind of my tip too. I think our tips kind of combined there a little <laughs> bit. I think that could be an amazing day yes. for teachers. So um, teachers that are looking for a tip, that would be kind of our combined tip, right?
1: Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely.
0: And now it's time for a commercial break. You probably know by now that Rodan & Fields is the number one skincare brand in the United States. With a 60-day empty bottle money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. For me, the reverse regimen, lash boost, and active hydration serum changed my skin. I couldn't be more pleased with my results. Everyone can have better skin. But it starts with reaching out. I can be found on Facebook at John Peschel, that's J O H N P E S C H L, or by email at myteacherfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Mention this podcast when you reach out and receive a free gift. Yes, a free gift just for reaching out. Rodan and Fields, Life Changing Skin Care. This is Connor. Here are some jokes for all the teachers out there. Why wasn't the geometry teacher at school? Because she sprained her angle. Why did the student take a ladder to school? Because he was going to high school. How did the geography student drown? Because his grades were below sea level. And now, back to the podcast, My Teacher Friends. Well... They're not my teacher friends, but that's the name of the show. All right, we are back. Um, And so now is your chance, Mary, to talk about something that's on your mind and in your heart when it comes to education. So um, where would you like to take our conversation next?
1: Well, you know, something that um, has been on my mind and that I feel pretty strongly about for actually many years is um, sort of how we use some of the standardized testing scores. Okay. Um, standardized tests have been around forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember being shuffled into the cafeteria in third grade and I don't know, probably eighth grade or whatever, and um, all sitting down with our number two pencils and filling out the Iowa basic test of skills or basic skills test or something like that. Okay. But you know what? I never. I never knew the results. We never talked about it right. any other time. We we took it. And I think at that time, I think those tests were used kind of as big picture kinds of things. Like, let's look at the big picture of, you know, are we kind of hitting the mark as as a school as a state that's what i was
0: gonna say do you feel like it was used more on the state level yeah. do you feel like schools used
1: it i think it was more of a state okay kind of a thing like our our kids in our state learning okay as a on this measure
0: yeah I do, I do remember too we were brought into the auditorium yeah. with the little fold up uh yeah. desk tops. Yeah. And um, we would all take it together as a class of 200 or so.
1: Right. And I never remember knowing any scores. Like I don't, maybe my parents got them. I really have no idea. So, you know, like in education, sometimes pendulums swing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, several years ago when, you know, our government said, Wow, are we meeting the needs of our students back when the nation at risk? I don't know if you remember that like in 1973. And and I get it. Like we needed some kind of people felt like we're not maybe not serving our students and our society really mm-hmm. as best as we can. And I feel like standardized tests then were a way to say, okay, are we doing what we should be doing? Okay. And and I understand that, but I feel like now we've kind of gone to the point where it's become so much about those test scores and more than just a big picture. We've kind of now focused and made a lot of big decisions about kids based on that one kind of test, that one. And I sort of think of it, I. I kind of almost make the analogy of maybe we should look at it as sort of like a litmus test where you stick the litmus paper in and pull it out and say, okay, are we on the right track? Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas now I feel like sometimes we take those scores and we say, okay, almost as a sorting mechanism for students. Okay, you're here, you're here, you know, you're, you're below, you're on, you're above. And I think we forget that there's so much more than that one day, one test, one time. And truthfully, you know, the more research that I've done on this, the more reading I've done about it. And there's lots of people that have opinions in in this testing area. Um, but, you know, what I see is that kind of testing, like a multiple choice Test where you're given a question and you have to pick the best answer. If we look at like higher order thinking, that's probably one of the lower.
0: Absolutely, it is, right?
1: Yeah, kind of thinking sort of questions. Right. It's it's, can I pick out the best answer? Mm -hmm. And we also know research tells us that kids who are of lower socioeconomic status who have not maybe had experiences like some kids who are of higher socioeconomic status are going to do worse on those standardized tests. We know that. We, we know that that's going to happen. So I feel like we need to just keep a cautious eye on that and know that there's so many other genuine, authentic kind of assessments that are happening all the time in classrooms, all the time, from those observational kinds of assessments of, wow, the students are coming in. I'm seeing from that child's face that maybe something went on. They don't look very happy. That's an assessment. Right. Or to the kinds of reading sort of assessments that we give kids pretty often to say, are you making growth in your, not only your reading and decoding words, but in your thinking about what you're reading, which is really what we want. Kids to be making meaning. Or in your math skills, you know, based on, uh, you know, like, even exit tickets at the end of a class period or end of unit assessments or or those, you know, problems that they have to solve where they really have to think and they really have to show flexibility in thinking and perseverance and all those kinds of things. So I just caution us in using those test scores to make big decisions about kids. And I, I, I want to give an example. Can I just tell a little story absolutely, about that? Absolutely, yeah. So... I, like I said, I worked with kids with some cognitive disabilities at the high school level. And one student that I worked with who did make a lasting impression, in fact, he still, he lives up north and still calls me about every maybe four to eight weeks and kind of fills me in on his life and so on, which is wonderful. And he, he had a cognitive disability for sure. Learning was difficult, learning school things probably one of the most social, delightful, kind people I've really met. Um, just that kind of person that could connect, that could um, just kind. Well, he came to me one day as a junior in high school. And I worked with him since he was a freshman. And he said, you know, I'd really like to take physics class. I, I don't know why, if there was somebody right. in the class, right. if it was, I don't <laughs> yeah. And it was like that moment, and I remember, I, I can remember the moment, and I remember thinking, wow, I could either like say, no, I mean, that's way too hard of a class, you know, and that's kind of what I was thinking is, oh my gosh, how, are, you know, this is a high level science class, this is, um, so I just, I, I didn't say that, I said, hmm, okay, why would you want to take that? And, and I don't even remember what his answer really was, but I said, okay, I'm going to talk to the teacher. We're going to see what we can do. And thank goodness that teacher was open to that. And, um, we adapted things. He became part of, they called it a study group. Some kids that kind of took him on sort of as a tutor. Uh. He worked so hard. Now, do I know that if he ever, you know, anything stuck about the physics, I don't know, but you know what? Those life lessons he got in taking a risk. Right. Super hard work. Probably some failure. Mm -hmm. Resilience, perseverance, those are long lasting. Those are life skills. So it's that kind of thing. Like if I would have just thought about where he was or his test scores or his whatever that, you know, wouldn't it wouldn't really be a success for him, that would have never happened. But it happened yeah. through again lots of support and lots of willingness and lots of collaboration, but it was a truly mm-hmm. fabulous experience.
0: That's a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, it was. It, it yeah it it was. It was a great. Um, it was a great experience for all of us, and I think, well, for him, more mm-hmm. than any of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I, you know, and that kind of, it kind of gets back to that whole idea of like labels and pigeonholing children into a certain you know oh you're you're this or you're that score on a test and I would say the same is true for kids of high ability we sometimes do the same thing and we say oh my gosh you know you have these high scores you must be this kind of a person And that expectation that you always need to be at this level, that's sometimes scary for kids. And it can lead to, well, I'm not going to take any risks because what if I fail? How's that? How am I going to look then? You know, I'm this really high ability learner. I need to always be that.
0: So with this, this is clearly something you're really passionate about. Yes. What kind of action have you taken, if you feel comfortable sharing that, right? And if you don't, that's okay. What would you ask others who are listening, who are connecting to your message? What would you want them to do or take away from this segment of the podcast?
1: I guess I'd want people to to take away the idea that those... Has scores, and I guess it's up to individual families to decide, yes, I want my child to be part of that, um, to just really use those cautiously, mm-hmm. to not let them define or determine a program or an in or an out kind of a thing, um, to really just think about what value you want to place on those. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, I've I when my kids were younger, I opted them out. You did, yeah. So that was how strongly I felt about some of those things, um, because I just felt like we we kind of had gone to this place of that was so many decisions were being made. I think as a society, we were we had gone to this place of of that, um, and I I think now we're kind of swinging back and realizing. There's a lot more to every student, which we know, Mm -hmm. than a number on a test.
0: Right. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's, um, I think, great information for teachers and community members to really think about um, the effect that those tests have in the classroom and on a district and state level, right? Absolutely. We're not just talking about... The, what classrooms are doing. We're talking about districts and on the state level as Oh, well.
1: absolutely. And in fact, there was recently an article, and this gets back kind of to that um, gifted education. This man at, um, he's becoming a pretty renowned person. He's right here at, um, in Whitewater actually. Okay. And he wrote an article and the name of the article is Bright versus Gifted, An Unnecessary Distinction. So kind mm-hmm. of really saying... When you have students who are showing, you know, drive and passion and ability, do we really need to spend a lot of time and resources like testing and doing those things to say you have this, you you are now going to be labeled gifted? Right. Because if you think about two students next to each other and if one doesn't, Earn that label through you know these arbitrary measures. What does that do to a person? Right. And that person who then achieves that label. What does that do to that person? Because again, is that going to be now? And and I have to say this. I I've seen this that students then sometimes feel like, wow, I this is who I am now, and I. I have to maintain that. And it sometimes really inhibits some of the risks that they might otherwise have taken.
0: Well, this has been great. I feel like we could talk about this forever. We we have uh, just two more questions to wrap up before we end our podcast time together. So um, two questions. I'll share both of them with you and then you can kind of answer them one at a time. Okay. What advice do you have for someone entering their first years of teaching? So school has begun. Teachers are in their second or third week of Mm -hmm. the new year. So what advice do you have for those teachers? And what advice do you have for someone who's entering maybe their last year of teaching?
1: You know, one piece of advice that I would love for both of those groups is to say never stop learning. Never stop learning and being open to trying something new and maybe feeling a little vulnerable. Right. Um,
0: and vulnerability is hard to feel. It is. I think it's hard to feel when you're new. Yes. It's hard to feel when you are considered a veteran. Within Absolutely. The and I'm sure in the spectrum in between where we it's are, hard. right? Yes. Um, but I, I, what I'm hearing you say is it's so important yes. in learning and growing. It
1: is. It is. It um, is. Do you, do you ever listen to Brené Brown?
0: I do. Yeah. Yeah, who has a
1: wonderful TED Talk about vulnerability yes. and that's where it kind of struck me that that is a place of growing. When you get to that, I'm I'm vulnerable and I'm a little open to this and I'm going to you know, let myself be open to it. So again to both groups, but also to those brand new teachers to maybe reach out to some of those veteran teachers and try to grab onto some of their wisdom. Mm. Because those veteran teachers have so much wisdom. And on the same hand, for some of those veteran teachers to maybe connect with some of those brand new teachers for their energy and excitement and fresh eyes to look at situations, you know, fresh ideas, which are are wonderful. We need both, I feel like, in our profession. We need both of those groups of people and everything in between.
0: Right, right. But uh, it requires being vulnerable. Yes. If you haven't listened um, or watched that TED Talk, it's, um, it's, you know, the name of the TED Talk is the uh, power of vo- power of vulnerability. vulnerability.
1: I think that that's it. Okay. I think that so. That be. would
0: be a great, uh, I think it's about 20 minutes, 25 yep. minutes or so yes. in length. Um, and it, it could really um, make the school year even brighter.
1: Absolutely. Yes for sure.
0: Well, I would just like to say thank you for uh, taking yourself out of your comfort zone to come and be on the podcast today.
1: Feeling a little vulnerable, right? Right, right.
0: (laughs) It has been great to uh, spend time getting to know more about you. Uh, I felt like I knew you really well, but I learned more about you today. So that has been a real positive. So thank you.
1: And that's the fun of this podcast, actually. It's super fun.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you. And that's it for another episode of My Teacher Friends. For more information, you can reach me at myteacherfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Like the show on Facebook at My Teacher Friends Podcast. Please be sure to tell a friend, subscribe on iTunes, rate and review the show. And until next time, remember, celebrate and nurture every child, every day.